yesterday and forever. And God said that the man is the head of the home. And I see women today that they resist the authority of their husband in the home. And they think it's pretty cool. Well, you know what? I, you know, we're, we're, we're in this thing together and we're supposed to be equal. Yes, you are equal as far as who you are in God. Absolutely. Nobody is less important than the other. But how do you know God has a structure? And so we see it in our home. We see, we see marriages at an all-time high. People are getting divorced at, 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 a, at, a, at, a, at an all-time high. Why is that? Not just in the world, but in the church. Because people don't respect authority anymore. You go on your job. You go in the workplace. I mean, you know, it's amazing. I've seen people argue back at their boss because they feel like they were right. How I many of you have ever felt like you were right? And you have a right to state your case. And nobody's saying that you shouldn't state your case if you have a disagreement with your boss. But how I many know that if somebody's in authority over you, you have to submit to that authority. And I see people, you know, give an example of the soccer field. I mean, I, I've had kids that, that play soccer. They play baseball. They've done it all. And I've seen many of times parents that will get in the coach's face, yell and scream at the coach because the coach didn't put my son in. Or, you know, or they didn't like what the coach did. And right in front of the young people to whom we're supposed to be what? Examples? They are yelling and screaming at the coach on the field. And then think that somehow that that's cool. And in fact, recently I saw that somebody, uh, it was on TV, I forget where it was, but, but somebody had a problem with, with a coach and they got into a big time fight on the football field. Somebody had to be arrested. Now think about the message that that sends to the kids. Because remember, God never changed. God's authority, the way that God looks at things, it never changed. People change all the time, right? Our culture changes. People decide what they're going to follow and what they're not going to follow. People decide, well, if I like the authority, if I agree with the authority, if all that, then I'll follow the authority. But when I don't agree with the authority or when I don't like the authority, then here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to be, I'm going to go AWOL. And that is something that really permeates in our society today. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 15. I'm going to show you an example. 1 Samuel chapter 15. Uh, we all recognize uh, Saul was the king, the first king of Israel. God had appointed Saul the king of Israel. But Saul had had an issue. Every now and then, Saul would not obey the clear commands of God that was given to him by the prophet Samuel. So if you look at verse number 18, we'll begin reading in verses 18 uh, down through 23. And I'm going to try to move faster because I got a couple, few scriptures. And so I want you to stay with me. Uh, now, the Lord sent you a mission. Now, the Lord sent you on a mission. Basically, the mission was this. Uh, Saul was to go and destroy the Amalekites. He was to kill everything in there. He wasn't to say he wasn't supposed to save anything. He wasn't supposed to keep anything for himself. He was given a specific mission to go and destroy everything. Now watch what, 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 what Saul does in verse 18. Now the Lord sent you on a mission. This is Samuel talking to Saul and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, but I 
have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission of which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, king of Amalekite, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the plunder, the sheep and the oxen, uh, the best of the things which have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. So here's what Samuel said. Has the Lord a great delight in burnt offering and sacrifices? As in obeying the voice of the Lord, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed the fat of rams for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Now, understand what, what's happening here with, with, with Samuel, with, with Saul, I'm sorry. Saul, is, Saul decides that he is going to not destroy everything like he was given that, uh, that uh, what the Lord had told him to do through the prophet Samuel. He decided that he was going to keep some of the good stuff. I mean, it wasn't when you really think about it. It, it, it's not that Saul did something really terrible, right? All Saul did was just kind of say, you know, I know the Lord said to, to kill off everything, but, you know, I'm going to keep a little bit. You know, God doesn't mind if I, I keep some of the good stuff. After all, we can use it. We got a need, right? I mean, it's not going to go to waste. I mean, I can just disobey that just a little bit. And the prophet Samuel had to call him on it. And he let him know. He said to him, Saul, you have disobeyed the word of the Lord. And because you did that, the kingdom will be taken away from you. Now, that seems a little bit drastic, doesn't it? I mean, for what Saul did. But the message is that God felt so strongly about this issue of rebellion because he says that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Now, if you study that word witchcraft, witchcraft has to do with, the, with, with communicating with the devil. That is, communicating with demonic forces or working in concert with the enemy, with the devil. And so when he says that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, how many know that God has a very, very strong message? He's sending a message. And he said, to, he said to Saul, I'm taking the whole kingdom from you. And Saul lost it all. Why did he lose it all? Because he rebelled against what God said. He rebelled against God's man, Samuel, who was the delegated authority. And so we understand there that rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. And, and, and I know today, I, 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 I hear people, you know, that, 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 you know, that take issue with certain things. And you can talk to everybody and you hear people give their reasons why they're in disagreement with this person or that person. And, and every time you hear that, you can, I mean, some of them will make good sense. It will make good sense. But God said rebellion is, is, is at the sin of witchcraft. So for the Christian, we are not to have a spirit of rebellion. How many know that that sends the wrong message, not only to us in the body of Christ, but how many know to our children? You know, look at our government today, for an example. People, listen, the Bible says, tells us, and I don't know what your political persuasion is, but you know, the Bible tells us as believers that we are to pray for those in authority, right? In 1 Timothy, pray for those. But I hear Christians who get on the internet, who through emails, who all, and they slam and disrespect the authorities. 
not understanding that all authority has been ordained and appointed by God. And I say to him something, there's a disconnect. I was reading a, a book, and I want to recommend this book to, to you. And uh, it's a great book. It talks about authority, John Bevere. Um, it's an awesome book. But he talked about in this book, he said that uh, how that when, when uh, Bill Clinton had first got elected as president, he said that he was angry. He said, man, he said that thing bothered him so much. And he said one time when he was sitting there angry and he was just kind of ranting and raving about it, the Holy Spirit convicted him and told him, wait a minute, I put him there. I put him there in office. And he says at that point, his whole attitude began to change and he began to pray for the president of the United States. But we, we decide, well, if I don't like his policies, if I don't like uh, uh, what he stands for, I'm not going to pray for him. How do you know that whenever you do that, you're in violation of the word of God? So it doesn't matter who's in office. It doesn't matter who the authorities are. We ought to pray for him. Not be, because God said that we are to do it. If we say that we are agents of the kingdom of God, then how do you know we need to obey what God says? You see, the Bible says, in Romans 13, let's go back to Romans chapter 13. And we're going to kind of break this down just a little bit. Romans chapter 13. He says, let every soul be subject to governing authority. So he says then let every soul. How many know that's not. Nobody is exempt from that. Now, he's talking to Christians. Paul is talking to the church. He's talking to believers. And he says, let every soul be subject to the governing authority. So, in other words, wherever there is governance, we are to be subject to it. Whether it's in the school, whether it's on the job, whether it's in some kind of a, a organization, Wherever there is governance where somebody has control, has authority, and they are, have the authority to appoint and make decisions and influence decisions, the Bible says we are to be subject to that. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. Because he said all authority is appointed by God. Now, some of us look at that and we say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I want you to hear this. Now, I want you to follow me in the scriptures because I don't want you to look at this as Pastor Gary's opinion. Because I'm going to bring it right from the word this morning. He says that all authority is appointed by God. So what about those evil people? <laughs> uh, what about the folks that uh, don't love God? How many of you work with people who don't love God? How many of you know people who have no respect for God, who may be in positions of authority over you, but they don't honor God like you do? In fact, they oftentimes, they take God's name in vain, don't they? They don't serve him. They don't want to hear you talk about your God. And for all intents and purposes, they're evil. So, pastor, what am I to do with my evil boss? What am I to do with that? I mean, surely God, God doesn't expect me to submit to that. Right? Seems like a logical question on the face of it. But see, here's the thing. What God says, he says all authority was appointed by God. So how many know what all means? What do all mean? Everything. So all authority. The Bible says the king's hands is in the hands of the Lord, and he turns it, the king's heart is in the hands of the Lord, 
and he turns it whithersoever he will. So either God is sovereign or, or he's not. See, if God is sovereign, then that means he's in full control of everything. Because God can stop it, right? God can say, no, you will not take that seat. I'm not going to give it to you. And if God allows it to happen, then God is sovereignly saying, I'm setting you there. I'm going to allow you to operate that way. And you say, well, well, I, Pastor, you got to show you got to help me with this. Well, look at Romans chapter nine, verse 17. Listen to this. It's amazing how, how the enemy fight, how he's fighting this. I'm telling you, you guys are going to be blessed because you heard this word this morning. And a lot of people not here that should have been here this morning to hear what God has to say about this. But this is something that I know that it's a spiritual battle. Because the enemy wants to take this issue and use it against us. But it says in Romans 9, 17. Now, how many of you would say that Pharaoh was an evil person? Right. He oppressed the people of God. Right. He abused the people of God. In fact, the scripture says that the children of Israel were so oppressed in that system that they cried out to God saying, God, get us out. And God sent Moses to go there and to lead them out of that bondage. So we understand you read the story. I mean, this guy Pharaoh was wicked. He was an evil king. He meant the people of God no good. He didn't care about the things of God. Right? He didn't, I mean, no reference. But, but look what the scripture says concerning Pharaoh. Verse number 17. For the scripture says to the Pharaoh, for this very purpose, I have raised you up talking about Pharaoh, that I may show my power in you and that my name may be declared in all the earth. Wait a minute. I want you to hear that. That same God that you and I serve, he was the one to put Pharaoh in the position that he was in. I want you to hear that. Pharaoh didn't just get there. God says, I put him there so I can show my glory. See, sometimes God put us sometimes in tight spots. Not so much because of the person, because how many know the person sometimes? Yeah, they, God knows they got issues. But sometimes God puts us in tough situations to see how we will respond. To see how we will respond to the authority. How many know that Jesus was always under authority? Even Pilate, when, it was, when he came up against him and Jesus, he did, say, he did say, you know, you have no authority over me except given from above. But he understood, Jesus understood that, you know what, he's the king. And he respected his authority. God said, I raised up Pharaoh for this reason I had a purpose in it. Well, well, well I don't think I ought to obey that wicked authority. You, listen. You and I cannot ever say or use that as an excuse because I don't like somebody or because I have a personality conflict with them that we can never use that. I'm talking about Christians. You can never use that excuse to say, I'm going to rebel against that authority. Can't do it and not and not be in compliance with what the word of God says about that issue. Uh, turn with me to Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, I'm sorry, to Jeremiah 43.10. How do you know about Nebuchadnezzar? Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon. Now, this, this is so profound. Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon. And he had deported the people of God out of their land. The Bible says in one time that he had to deal with this king Nebuchadnezzar in such a way that God, that God had to make him crazy. 
Because King Nebuchadnezzar was a mean, wicked, and evil king. But God used Nebuchadnezzar to, to deport the people of Israel out of their land because of their disobedience. But watch what God says concerning Nebuchadnezzar. Listen to this. And we all agree that Nebuchadnezzar was an evil king, right? Watch this. Look at verse number 10. And say to them, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, this is Jeremiah talking, Behold, I will send and bring Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant. And what? Wait a minute. Who is Babylon? Did you, did you hear that? Let me, let me some of you fell asleep. I want, I want you to listen to this. Verse 10 again. And to say to them, thus says the Lord of hosts, God of Israel, behold, I will send and bring Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant. And will set his throne above these stones that I have hidden, and he will spread his royal pavilion over them. Now, what, what you hear there is, wait a minute, this wicked king, Nebuchadnezzar, you remember that's the, same Nebuchadnezzar, that's the same Nebuchadnezzar, I believe it was, that tried to make the children of, of Meshach, Abednego, Shadrach, bow down and all that. This guy didn't care anything about God, right? No, he cared nothing about God. But God called Nebuchadnezzar my servant. So guess what? And, 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 and even if you read Jeremiah, there were some of the prophets going around saying, well, you know what? Y'all need to just pack and get ready to leave. God said, no, I want you to stay right here in this land for 70 years. And while you're here for 70 years, I want you to build houses. I want you to have kids. I want you to establish yourself here. I want you to stay right here in this community. And I want you to obey that authority. But God... Well, I, 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 you know, he's mean, he's wicked, he's evil, but he's my servant. Are y'all excited about that? Now, I want you to hear that we're talking about authority. I want you to hear, I want you to understand something here. That Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, God said, that's my servant. Because some of us have some faulty thinking as it relates to authority. But how do you know if God is in control, then God put him there. So when you leave it a day, you can't go back home and say, you know what? I can't stand my boss. I hate his guts. <laughs> You're going to have to follow through with it if you want to be in compliance with what the word of God says, wherever that, that, that authority structure is. You remember the story, I won't have it turned there, in, in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 15, Saul, God raised Saul up, right? God raised Saul up to be king. And that scripture says, and you can read it in your spare time, she might have it on the screen, but look what it says here. This is, this is God, God talking to Samuel. He says, now, I greatly regret, watch this, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. Now, I want you to hear something. Who made Saul king? God made him king. God raised him up. David understood that. Now, when we say that Saul turned out to be an evil king, well, he tried to kill David for no reason, only because he was jealous of David. David would be just sitting down at the table eating, and Saul would have a sword in his hand, and he would just throw it at him, try to kill him. Brother had just, brother had just lost it. He was crazy. 
He went after he went after David for years trying to kill David. David had done him no wrong. David had done Saul no harm. Not at all. David finally gets to a point that David finds Saul in his camp. He comes up over top of him while Saul is asleep. David has the opportunity to kill Saul. Now, in our minds, David have every justification to take this sword and chop off Saul's head because you made me a fugitive for no reason. He didn't violate no law. David didn't do anything wrong at all. Nothing wrong. Saul was coming after him. Saul took his whole military to try to catch one man, his special forces, to try to get one man for why? Because, I, because I'm just jealous of him. So here he is. Saul is laying on the ground, and David got a shot to kill him. And all his men, they begin to praise God. They said, oh, David, today God has delivered you, your enemy, into your hand. Look at him. Look what God did. Now you can go ahead and kill him and go and assume the throne, David. Because obviously God was behind it because God led us here to where he is. So, David, this is your moment. Go ahead and take him out. But what did David say? You remember the story. David says, I'm not going to touch God's anointed. David said, I'm not going to do that. Why? Because David recognized that Saul was put in authority by God. And David said, I'm not, I have no authority to remove him. God will have to remove him. And David walked away from it. In fact, David did cut a, a piece of his garment. And the Bible says that when David did that, he was convicted in his heart. He said, I shouldn't even have done that. He felt so bad because he recognized and the Holy Spirit had smote him. Don't do that. Don't do it. Some of us, we get opportunities that we, that, that we can take somebody out or we can rebel against authority. And, and I know sometimes you listen to folks around you and say, do it, do it, do it. Don't do it. Because God will take care of me. The Bible says, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. You follow me? I've had situations, let me tell you, I have a situation on my job where I've had to deal with uh, unjust bosses. And I'm, I'll tell you, my wife will tell you, I've come home and I've gotten on my knees and cried out to God and say, God, will you please help me with this? God, this boss is doing me this way. I had one boss that was harassing me and he was jealous of me, mad at me because I was married and devoted to my wife. And he thought that I was too connected to her. He thought I loved her too much. And he said to me one day in roll call, he said to me, he says, well, you know, uh, Gary, you're going to your, your wife behind is going to turn red from you kissing it so much. Right in front of the roll call, in front of everybody. That's, those were his words. And I sit there and I thought to myself, okay, what am I going to do with this? Now, I would have been justified to go up and just me and just try to destroy this guy. I could, you know, it's so some people, I, some folks came with me, so why didn't you, you I, that was me, I would have got in his face. I would have let him have it. I didn't say anything. I, just, I, I sit there, and everybody else, because they, they all knew what was said, and they sit there, and they looked straight ahead, and everybody was scared. They didn't know what was going to happen. So they wouldn't look at me, they wouldn't look at each other, oh my God, I can't believe you just said that. And I sit there and I went home and I gave it to God. I gave it to God because he was my supervisor. He was my authority. Here's what I did, though. When I gave it to God, I gave it to God. Probably, I estimate, about a month later, he calls me to meet him at a certain location. I go to meet him at that location. 
he says to me, he says, uh, um, he starts looking at me funny. He just go like this, looking. I was like, is he trying to hit on me or what? Why are you looking at me that way? He just kept going. You see something different about me? He was doing this. And I'm like, what? What's... And they're like, no. You know, so I'm getting a little bit concerned. Like, this is this another life that he's living? I don't know about what's up, you know? And he knew he told me. He said, I gave my life to Jesus. And I just want you to know that. And I sit there. Tears just begin to flow because I'm, I remember sitting there thinking to myself, I can destroy this man. He's, God has delivered him into your hands. You can take him right now. Take him. I said, I'm not going to do it. I honored the authority and I left it to God to deal with that wrongdoing. Are you with me? Dude, that's, that's the spirit that every believer should operate in. So all authority, so we understand that all authority has been appointed by God. Whether it's good, bad, harsh, God is in control. Because he goes on to say to resist the authority of God is to resist God himself. So watch this. Every time you rebel against authority, who are you rebelling against? God. Does it not say that in Romans? Look at Romans chapter 13. Let's let's go back there because some of you looked at me like, I don't really believe you, Pastor, so I got to show it to you. Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. Just let me know you're out there. I know this is a tough word, but listen, my only interest in in bringing this word up today and and teaching this is because I want our church to be blessed where God has taken us. That's my only motive. I know what it means to be a blessed people, how to get there. But he says now in verse two, whoever resists the authority, resists the ordinance of God. But but it goes on further. Watch what it says. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. See, I believe that many people, even the people of God, are struggling in their relationships, in their homes, uh, on their jobs. They're having issues because of this one issue. They don't understand authority. And God says that when you resist the authority that I put you under, because how many know God expects us to respond a certain way? Does he not? God expects us to still conduct ourselves in a way that we say, the Bible says that concerning Jesus, that he just committed himself to him who judges righteously. Jesus just kept submitting himself to God. He humbled himself to the point of death. He never fought back, did he? Except for on the cross. <laughs> he got him back then. But who did it? God did it. And so every time that we say we rebel against authority, wherever it is, whether it's in the church, whether it's on a job, or whether it's in your home, or whether it's at school, every time we rebel against authority, we are rebelling against God. Is it not what the scripture says? And it goes on to say that we bring judgment on ourselves. Well, you know what? I don't like, you know, I, I, I've known people on the job that are very gifted, for example. Very, very gifted. And I wonder, like, how come they're not promoted? They, they seem to be so smart. They seem to be so gifted. What's the problem? If you sit down and talk to them, they don't want to listen to nobody. Nobody can tell them what to do. And so what happens is they get mad at the boss and, and they just they have a very, very cold attitude. And you know what happens? 
they stay there. I had one, one sergeant on the police department years ago who was one of the smartest men I knew, but he had such a negative attitude. He did not respect authority at all, and he never he, he left the police department no honor. No honor. Why? Because he rebelled against every authority that, that came into his life. Yes, and you're, how many know you're free? You can rebel against every authority. You are free. You can, young people, you can go to school. You can say, you know what? I ain't going to listen to my teacher. You can let all, those, all your buddies talk down about the teacher and, and disrespect the teacher. But you're going to bring judgment on yourself by following that pattern. Because God called you and I to be lights in the world. So we're not permitted to do it because we understand what the scripture says regarding that. So a pastor, is there any time that, that I don't have to obey the authority? There's only one time. Only one time that you and I should not obey authority. You know what that one time is? Can anybody guess? One time that you're allowed to rebel against authority. And this is what the scripture teaches. Only one time. Only in one case. Does anybody know? You can talk back. It is when that authority asks you to do something that violates the word of God. Give you an example. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Nebuchadnezzar said, no, no, listen, listen. When you hear the music playing, you ought to bow down and worship the image that I set up. Because everybody else in the kingdom were bowing down and worshiping this image. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, he ain't doing it. Nope. He ain't doing it. He said, you ain't going to do it? Okay, I'm going to throw you in the fire furnace. And he turned the heat way up. <laughs> He's going to send them a message. They go through the fire furnace. They come out. The smoke didn't even touch them. They came out. And in fact, they looked inside and said, man, I see three. But that's a fourth person. Glory to God. They came out of that. Because they honored the word of God. You remember the apostles were told in the book of Acts. They beat him up and said, don't preach Jesus. Don't preach. Whatever you do, you cannot preach Jesus. Don't go and preach no more. And, and they said, basically, well, whether or not you want to judge that, that's up to you. But for us, we, we got to preach the word because God told us to do it. That is really the only time that you and I can rebel against any authority that God puts in our life. Well, Pastor, what if I don't like them? Deal with it. What if I got a personality conflict? Deal with it. What if I don't agree with them? Deal with it. Because you cannot rebel against authority because God says when you do it, you bring judgment on yourself. Do you hear me? I know it's not popular. But how do you know I got to preach the word? It's something that is not. See, we don't, we don't hear much talk about this nowadays. You know, there used to be a time when authority was respected. You know what I'm talking about. That there was a, there was a spirit, there was a spirit that came down in homes and governments and communities where people respected authority. Yes, sir. No, sir. Uh huh. Yes, sir. Just even the way that they approached. I remember being a little kid playing in the yard and, uh, they would say, uh, the pastor's coming over. I remember this one family and the pastor would come over and visit the ladies that were sick. And we'd be out there just playing and running around. But boy, we hear the pastor was coming over. Boy, we just cleaned up. We went and combed our hair. We just got our act right. We stopped yelling at each other. We could, the man of God coming. Man of God coming. Respect. But nowadays, people don't respect the man of God no more. They say, even in the church, they say whatever they want to say. They talk about them. They disrespect them. Am I right about it? Look at, look at your TV. They don't respect the man of God no more. It's like, but, but I mean, God hasn't changed. God's word is still the same. <laughs> 
See, we're going to be a blessed people. We got to do it God's way. See, authority protects who? Us. It is for our benefit. You know, the Bible, the scripture says that the, the Bible says that where there's no vision, the people perish, right? The people perish. What that means is if there's no set and clear direction or authority structure, then the, the, another translation says the people are left unrestrained. In other words, everybody do what they want to do. And how many, how many know that when you come into an environment and everybody do what they want to do, what did you want to have? Chaos. Confusion. You will not have cohesiveness and you will not have what? Unity. So you cannot have unity without submission to authority. That's why we got to talk about this issue. We can't be unified in what God is doing in our church until we understand authority. Not just the authority, but also delegated authority. That's why the Bible says that we are to submit to one another. So if you have a ministry responsibility and somebody in the church, how many know we have to submit to that authority? Because that person is overseeing that. Are, are, you, are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? So he says they bring judgment on themselves. He gives us one example where we can, we can disobey and rebel against authority. That is when that authority ask you to do something that is against the word of God. Very, very quickly, because we got a great close. I know going a little long this morning, but in Numbers chapter 16, and I read a couple of verses here. Um, how are we doing? On, how long have I been going so far? Nobody knows? A few minutes? I don't want to go too long. I want to try to respect your time. But I mean, this is very, very important. I want you all to follow me. And I want you to take what I'm saying this morning. I want, you to, I want you to look at the scriptures and validate it for yourselves. But look what he says here in, in, in Numbers chapter 16, in this particular passage of scripture. Uh, Moses had led the people out, right? How do you know, boy, when Moses led the people out, they were dancing, they were shouting, they were praising God. How do you know when things are going well, people know how to praise God, don't they? It's when things get a little rough. That's when things begin to change. <laughs> So here it is. They come out. God bring them out of that oppression. Everybody's happy. They're dancing. They're celebrating. God blessed. God moved. Hallelujah. But then they come to a point where ain't no water. Kids are crying. Babies are hungry. People are hot walking in the desert. Then they start looking at Moses like, well, wait a minute, Moses. I heard you say that we were going to some land of promise. I was taking so long to get there, Moses. What's the problem? Because this is the backdrop to what's happening here. Watch this. And we'll read a few verses here. But now Korah, the son of, we'll start in uh, verse, uh, chapter 16, verse 1. Now, now Korah, the son of Ezar, the son of Kothan, the son of Levi, with Dathan and Abram, the sons of Eliab, and the son of Petla, son of Reuben, took men. They took men, all right? They came up against them. And they rose up before Moses with some of the children of Israel. In other words, we like to call it a coup. <laughs> they got together a coup of people. Watch this. 250 leaders of the congregation. Now I want you to see the picture. This is not, watch this. This is not people uh, that are just ordinary people. These are people that have authority, right? These are people, the scripture says, men of renown. They gathered together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, you take too much upon yourselves. For all the congregation is holy. Every one of them. 
and the Lord is among them, why then do you exalt yourselves above the assemblies of God? Look at what the issue is. Now jump on over to verse number 29, verse 28. And Moses says, by this you know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of my own will. If these men die naturally, like all men, or if they are visited by a common fate of all men, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord creates a new thing, watch this, and the earth opens its mouth and swallows them up with all that belong to them, and they go down alive into the pit, then you will understand that these men have rejected the Lord. Now, it came to pass as he finished speaking. Now, look how quick it is. Now, this is a death burial and everything in one shot. I mean, this is probably one of the quick funerals you ever witnessed. But while, while uh, he was still speaking all these words, that the ground split apart under them and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their household and all the men with Korah and all their goods. So they and all those with them went down alive into the pit. The earth closed up over them and they perished from among the assembly. Well, you're talking about something that's very powerful. Now, look, let, me, let, me, let me share something with you. What was their issue was with Moses was not that Moses had sinned. It was not that Moses had done something wrong. It was not that Moses had required them to do something crazy, like jump off a cliff and commit suicide, or like Jim Jones did, you know, back in the jungle, said, drink some Kool-Aid. Nothing like that. They just said, we don't like the fact that you got, we think you got too much authority. We just don't like it. In fact, 250 of us, some of the, some of the we got together some of our boys, and, and we decided we're going to sit you down, Moses. We just decided this. I mean, we thought about it. We talked about it. And we we kind of think like we need to be making decisions here because you look like you just don't know what you're doing. So Moses, sit down. Scripture says, and you read it, that Moses, when he first heard that, he fell on his face, first of all. The scripture give a couple accounts in that same passage where Moses called a couple of them, said, look, he asked for a couple of them to come to him. And they said, we ain't coming. <laughs> they said, nope, we ain't coming. That's when you know they're dug in. And like, no, we're done with you. <laughs> we're done. And Moses said, well, if the ground opened up and swallowed you, how many know that's, that's pretty drastic, dramatic, right? Then you know God sent me. <laughs> then you know that I didn't just put myself in this position. God put me here. And while Moses still talking, the whole earth opened up, swallowed them up. 250 and their families. Now, here's what I want you to see. You see how that, you see, one of the things about rebellion, you see how it spreads like wildfire, didn't it? Because everybody got together and they pulled a whole bunch of people down with them. The ground swallowed all these leaders up. And what was their issue? We just don't like the fact that you got too much authority. But they didn't take into account that God placed them there. And if you fight against the authority, who are you fighting against? Are you with me? So I, they used to tell me back in Old Folks Church that our arms are too sh short to box with God. That's a fight that you don't want to have. I give an example. Um, David, you got the scripture, Hebrews 13, uh, verses uh, 17. If you can just put that on the screen for me, please. Because I know we got to go. Um, you know, I have a... Uh, my, my pastor, for an example, um, you know, when I, when I talk with him, 
And I talk to him, you know, probably once a month or so. And he speaks into my life. One of the things that he showed me, he told me, and he pastored large, large churches and large ministries. But one of the things that he shared with me was he said, uh, Gary, uh, you know, not, not everybody, uh, you, you're not the pastor of everybody to come to your church. You know, you're, you can be pastor of a church, right? I'm pastor of Foundation Christian Fellowship, but that don't mean I'm your pastor. You, you understand what I'm saying? I don't have no idea what that is. <laughs> the enemy just does mad. Don't worry about it. Just, just roll with it. Um, but when, a, my, when I speak to my pastor, for an example, I want his advice, right? I listen to what he says because he's my leader. He's my, he's my spiritual leader because I believe God put him in my life. What I've discovered is a lot of times people don't want a pastor. They want somebody who agree with them. Big difference, isn't it? A lot of times people, they don't want to, they don't really want to, you think Joel Osteen really pastors 30,000 plus people? No, they go to his church. <laughs> he don't pastor, he, I, I, I guarantee there's probably a few, I would, I'm taking a wild guess out of that 30,000, maybe a thousand of them probably really, he really pastors. Those that come to him, they want to hear his advice, they want to get leadership about their life from him. So I, I, I understand that, 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 that concept of spiritual authority. I understand that everybody who comes, not necessarily they're looking for a pastor. I understand that. But I also understand that if we're going to be a people that is going to achieve what God has placed in our heart, this is something that we got to come to terms with. You know, I, you know, if, if I didn't feel like the, I could talk to my pastor, we just use it in, in church language, then he wouldn't be my pastor. Are you with me? If you can't look and honor that pastor as pastor or whatever, the, then maybe something is wrong there. We need to get something right here. Now, pastor, why are we talking about this? Because I know how Satan works. You see how he's been working today. God gives us warnings ahead of time. And some of us have been in the wilderness of life. And we keep hitting these roadblocks. And we can't quite figure out why I keep hitting these roadblocks. Because we have to deal with this issue. He says, now obey those that have the rule over you. Now he's talking about church people. But, but also I want you to look at this from a secular standpoint. Obey those that have the rule over you and be submissive. For they watch for your souls as those who must give an account and let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that will be unprofitable for you. Now, you notice two words. If I had a little point, I would point. There are two words, obey and submissive. Obedience has to do with our actions. Submission has to do with our attitudes. Right? The scripture says, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Well, you know, my kids, my kids are good at it. They, they, they don't want me to say this, but they, they'll say, they'll do what I say. To, I want you to do it. They'll do it. But boy, inside, they're a raging bull. They are mad as you know what. They are angry and they, they're doing it. But the, the first chance I get them up out of here. 
See, they're not willing. See, God wants us to be to a point that we, we obey him. Not only just do the action, but that our heart is engaged. And you say, what? I'm going to do it with a good attitude. Because he says, as those who are spiritual leaders, they must give an account. Well, Pastor, what if, he, what if that spiritual leader take advantage of me? What if that boss take advantage of me? Well, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. I have to give an account to God for what I do and what I say up here. That's why I'm very, very guarded about what comes up here and what's spoken from this pulpit. Because anybody that steps up in this pulpit, you don't have to give an account for it. I do. I'm going to give it. I got to talk to God about who I allow and what message comes from this pulpit. I'm accountable. I'm going to give an account to God for how I treat you. So if I mistreat you in any way, or if I take advantage of my authority, guess who, who's going to deal with me? God. God. So nobody now has an excuse as relates to authority. Kids, you have no, you have no excuse. You got to obey your parents, but do it with a good attitude. Whether adults, we have to obey one another. We have to submit to each other's authority. Wives, we got to submit to our husbands in our homes. Well, I don't. He just incompetent. <laughs> okay, you married him. He's your authority now. Deal with it. You know, one of the things I, I you know, I, and I probably should have asked permission to do this, but I won't say names, but we got, we got a sister in our church. One thing, and she's faithful. She comes here week in and she comes here week out. And you know what? And she respects her husband. Her husband's not here. She respects and honors his authority. Because God, that's, that's God's thing. Let God deal with that. But see, what my responsibility is, I got to do what God tells me to do. I don't like some of the decisions that are being made. I don't agree with it, but the last scripture we've done, that was the last scripture is 1 Timothy 5, 17. And we got to close. I thank you all for your patience and I apologize for some of the shenanigans that happened this morning. Um, but I, I believe that where God has taken us, that says something that is a foundation, it's a teaching message, something we had to deal with. It talks about there, uh, one of the reasons why, you remember I said at the onset, at the beginning of the message, one of the things I've always kind of stayed away from teaching on this, this subject is because I didn't want nobody to think I had some other agenda. My only agenda is I want the people of God to be blessed. That is period. I want our church to be blessed. Any, think about, I want you to think about this. And uh, any church that I know of that's a blessed church, Any ministry that I know of is, is a blessed ministry. If you really look at it closely, their leadership is honored in their church. Think about it. I went to, um, I went to a, a conference in Dallas, Texas. I know, forget it. And uh, Tony Evans was, uh, some of you may know Tony Evans, the all, Urban Alternative. I listened to him. Uh, I think he's a, he's, one of, he's a great preacher, just, just the fabulous preacher of the word one of the best expositors of the world you ever hear. And, uh, and they were naming some of the pastors that were there. So they, they called out these one pastors, this pastor and his wife. And when they call out the pastor and his wife, everybody just jumping, yeah, they start screaming out, what in the world? 
And he looked like he brought about 75 or 100 of his people came with him. And I didn't know those people. I didn't know that church. I mean, they're pretty loud in my ear. I was like, what in the world is this? But you know what I saw? That they honored their leadership. They honored their pastor and their leadership. And because they honored their leadership, I believe they were blessed. You have me know the, the, the anointing, the blessing of God comes down. You show me a church that has all kind of problems in it, divisions and all these different little things. We've been talking about unity. I can tell you, you look at its root is that there's no regard for the authority in that church. Look at it. I mean, I, I went to T.D. Jake's church. I had an opportunity to go there. How do you know who T.D. Jake's is? And man, you wouldn't believe how they, <laughs> you know, some of it I think is an overkill, but, you know, uh, that's just me. But the spirit of it is right. The spirit of it is right. Man, they honored him. They made sure that the man of God is taken care of. Or the woman of God, however you want to say it, they're taken care of. They're leaders. They're respected. Because when we do that in our church and in any church, then that falls back on the church. And our ministry, become a, we become a blessed people because we're doing it God's way. And if we want to be blessed, we got to do it God's way. Amen. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed.